0: On this episode of the podcast, I've got my good buddy and colleague, Justin McClintock, who is the founder of Feel Strong Fitness. I've had him on the podcast before. If you recall, Justin had a really unique situation. He was a CrossFit coach in a gym, realized getting paid in this group class model wasn't working for him. So he came up with an arrangement with the gym owner to be able to train people there in his style, at his price point, on his way. And he just gave the gym owner a cut. Soon thereafter, he's making more money than any trainer in the building. And he continued to essentially run his business from within someone else's. Well, that was on the first episode I had with him where we talked about this maybe almost two years ago. And unfortunately, that gym closed. So now he's out on his own again, having to find another conducive and synergistic relationship, another gym, because the best part about his business model, there's no overhead minus the rent that he kicks to the owner, he's not trying to sign a lease, he doesn't want to buy equipment. He is trying to keep his profit margin as fat as possible. And as someone who embraces a company of one mentality like myself, I respect the shit out of that. So I had Justin on because I wanted to hear how he dealt with that disruption because I think there's a lot of you out there that a could be doing what he told us all that he did in the first podcast. Go back and find that one. But then how he has pivoted and went about finding a new location to continue to run his concept out of. I hope you guys enjoy the conversation. Enjoy. What is up, guys? It is Stu, and it is another episode of the What the Fuck Gym Talk podcast. I've got my friend and colleague, Justin McClintock, um, hailing from Philly uh, on the podcast. Justin's been on before, in which we jammed on how he – had successfully transitioned into doing coaching and training, not only remotely, but in person, inside of someone else's brick and mortar. He had his own, you know, he's got his own LLC. He's got his own business set up. He's doing this. You've gone through ALP, Active Life Professional, Sean Pastuch's educational and kind of business coaching program. And uh, we jammed on that. I know I'm going to tell everyone to go back and listen to it. None of these fuckers are going to do it. So, Justin, if you would – for all these lazy fucks, would you give them the two minute kind of bring them up to date as to kind of how you got into that unique position, and then we'll bring them up kind of like to what's to everything that's kind of transpired for you recently?
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. So I started. I started as a part time CrossFit coach, worked my way up to full time CrossFit director of programming, writing all the programmings, kind of you know head coach position. Uh, still wasn't satisfied with wasn't satisfied with the coaching I was doing uh wanted more results out of people, wasn't satisfied with the money I was making, transitioned to lots of one-on-one work. And as you said, founded my own business, made the LLC, made a deal with the owner because really important to any coaches who want to do this, it has to be a win for the gym, it has to be a win for the owner, it has to be a win for the client. Everyone has to win if you're going to do this. So I could operate my own business in there, bring in people who would never walk into a CrossFit gym to train there, take people who are in group classes to one-on-one training, and grew that to it was the overwhelming majority of my business, both online, in-person, and hybrid, all really specific one-on-one work there.
0: And real quick for everyone, what was the compensation of the split? How did that work with the owner? How did you, how were you compensating the owner for using his space?
1: I did a flat fee, uh, which is my suggestion to coaches all the time. Uh, I know gym, gym owners, and I know a lot of gym owners listen to this, may not love the idea, but I d- wasn't doing a percentage. I basically said, there's a number. Anytime you see me, I want you to be happy that I'm here. What's the number that you need to make to make that make that happen? And it was 30 or 35 bucks a session. I said, great, perfect. Because if I'm underpricing myself like a moron, that shouldn't hurt the gym owner. If I'm charging 50 bucks a session and he's like, well, I want 40%, he's not going to be happy with whatever that 40% would be. You know, He doesn't sure. want 20 bucks. He wants 35. So I said, great, we'll give you 35. And then I can charge 150 bucks a session. And I'm also very happy.
0: Yeah. hundred percent at 150 bucks a session. Um, all right. So life is going well. You and me got the opportunity a year ago when I was in town, um, to, to hang out and, uh, you know, got in a workout and got to see where you see where you were running shop. And it, was, it was, a cool, and I love those metropolitan urban spaces where there's nobody who would look at that building with all the, you know, all the hallways and be like, this is a great place for a gym, but you make it happen. Like you've ever been to like some of the New York gyms that are on four yeah. floors and it's laid out. It, I wear, uh I went and saw Mark Fisher fitness space. And it's such a, it's such these crazy metropolitan buildings in high urban density centers. But that place I thought was very cool. Uh, I thought it was well done. Unfortunately, you are no longer there. Would you share with everyone what happened with that?
1: Yeah, well, the, the short story is I got six days notice that the gym was closing. We had an emergency coaches meeting, which is never good, right? There's never a, everyone's coming in for a meeting on a Saturday when we usually meet on Tuesdays. Like, I knew it was going to be bad, and we had canceled a field trip. We were actually supposed to go see a bunch of the ALP people out in Long Island. Like, we were taking a field trip, and we got the notice, field trip's off, coaches meeting moved to Saturday well, this can't be good. And I expected we're changing compensation I expected we're eliminating some classes I expected like I knew business hadn't been going well for a while. There've been a lot of struggles. I didn't expect the gym is closed effective Friday.
0: How, so tell me about, so were these financial struggles residue and remainder from COVID?
1: I mean, COVID certainly knocked the gym on its butt. We lost, I think they lost 30 or 40% of the people and they kind of never came back uh it was I mean there was a lot going on it was the gym was a little lost too like came out of COVID and then the owner decided maybe we don't want to be a CrossFit gym entirely maybe we want to do a little more like one-on-one training I I think I know highly inspired by my success he kind of looked and said well Justin's making three times whatever anyone else in the gym is making maybe we should all be doing that and started bringing people toward that in individual solutions which is potentially a fine business model. The hard thing is if people, the people who came for CrossFit still want CrossFit and they're going to leave. And I had a lot of, you know, tearful goodbyes and I understood. I was like, we're not doing what you came here for anymore. And I hope this is going to be cool, but this isn't why you're here.
0: It's a tough thing. And I've had the privilege of working with, you know, a good amount of Sean's gyms that, uh, that are in the midst of that transition where they were the the typical group class micro gym. And now they're going to this, you know, this hybrid or this more um, personal training, individual design, whatever that looks like. It, it's the models different, right? The operating model of it is completely different. And it's hard. Like I did that with CrossFit South then when I relocated to the new building and I turned it into Urban Movement, completely different, unique belief in fitness, completely different style, vibe, feel, everything, and it was a bloodbath of cancellations. Lost so much money in a short period of time. Now, if you have the the runway to withstand, with you know, withstand that storm, uh, it worked out really well in the back end. But it, it takes a while. Let me. Did you have conversations with uh, with the owner, uh, like? I mean, because I I know you, and he, uh, one of the things I love about you, you have great business chops. I know, like when you started kind of having an identity crisis and kind of thinking about changing his thing, that's that boat rocks, and it it can rock hard. And obviously, it didn't work out well. Did you did you have any conversations with him prior, like, hey, that I I, I like it, but you you want to be careful how you rip that bandaid off.
1: I did, and looking back, I wish I I honestly wish I had done a little more. It's a really it's potentially a challenging position, even being kind of uh the, the big dog employee. I'm still an employee, right? Like I work for you, it's your business, and I'm gonna give you a lot of uh a lot of benefit of the doubt. So we said, Well, we're gonna do this, and this is what we're gonna change, and this is what's gonna happen. And we did talk about like, okay, well, we're gonna lose a bunch of people. Yeah, well, hopefully not too many. W- right, but we're gonna lose a bunch of people. And I wish. Uh, I wish we had gone through more benchmarks of like, so we're not going to make this transition until you know, we're making at least this amount of money from the program. We're not going to change things. Right. Because if we did, then as you just said, like, we won't have the runway. The gym was already operating off of, I think alone. Like we were very, very close every month. Anyway, this is not the time to chase 40% of the people away, but I didn't. And I, and I didn't because I was an employee and kind of like, all right, I believe you. I, I'm going to assume you've thought through some of this stuff and assume that we're on pretty solid ground because I don't know what the numbers are. And looking back, I wish I had been a little more proactive the way treated the way I would have tre- I treat my business.
0: Did the owner have, uh, I've always been a big advocate for whoever like the key employees are, like whatever the leadership team looks like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: having a, a very transparent numbers meeting at the first, my thing was always, it was the first Monday of every month. And we always look back at the numbers the previous month, you know, essentially, you know, everything from high level macro data, you know, P and L stuff down to like real granular detailed based stuff, you know, see where the money's going, you know, hundred percent of the revenue came in this month and 30% went to payroll and 40% went to operating expenses and this, and this amount went to me and this amount went to you guys. And you guys, was that a thing?
1: No definitely not. I got some insight into numbers occasionally, but it wasn't that regular. Uh and it was certainly to the point where I believe you know he he um on the road to doing this. And I don't mean to like dissect everything, but he very built a very successful one-on-one business himself. He's like, I'm going to do what Justin does. Did it. Incredible like six-figure one-on-one training business, but he was the only one who could do it because the other coaches there weren't trained up enough, they didn't have the skills to lead the sessions, much less sell the sessions. So now he can't hand them off to anybody. I also think he wasn't paying himself a full rate or not paying himself for the sessions. So everything that came in from those one-on-ones were going right into the gym because the gym was in trouble, but now you can't hand that session to anybody. So now he has sure. to service 25 one-on-ones a week and be the owner of a gym to and oversee staff lack development on
0: the group side.
1: Yeah, it's, it's two more hats when he was already wearing nine hats the
0: yeah that's i mean it's i hate i hate that and it's it's hard because it's like it's a storm of like this thing isn't going well and if you if you really love it then you just you stay on it you fix it you stay on it you fix it but if you don't love it anymore and you're like okay i see what justin's doing right and and i find a lot of people they it's not really like everyone tells oh i do this because i'm passionate about it Okay, until you're really, you're not making money. And my definition of burnout is repeated effort without the desired outcome. Because I know, I mean, you, I know you, me, Sean, like work our faces off, work our faces off. I wouldn't worry about any, any of us getting burnt out because we get the desired result out of it. We have compensation and fulfillment. And when one of those drops down, if like, if you started no longer, this no longer filling your cup, after a long enough timeline, no matter how that guy, that compensation is, that fulfillment's low. Same thing happens on the opposite. It sounds like it happened to this gym owner. Like, compensation is so low, even though maybe running group and having a CrossFit gym or whatever it is was the fulfillment, it it fucking sinks with that ship of compensation as well. And you go into the next thing. Okay, I'm gonna try this next thing. But oh, I thought you were passionate about that. No, you're, you're passionate about doing something and getting compensated for it and making a difference. And you can make a difference in both those ways. So let's skip ahead. So you you guys get this six day notice. I'm assuming membership got what, like a five day notice?
1: Yeah. Yep. Okay. They got the, yeah. OK. Yeah. OK. It was almost going to be less than that. And we strenuously argued that the poor 6 a.m. Monday coach can't know the gym is closing and the members don't know. That's unfair. Well,
0: oh, yeah, they yeah, have to yeah. know
1: the next time members show up.
0: Yeah, that guy better have some really good public speaking chops on him if he yeah. has to make the announcement. Let me bring it into the whiteboard guys. I got yeah. <laughs> we got to got chit chat. One more
1: thing fun. as we cool down.
0: <laughs> All right, so you this is this was a where do you go now? What what is you and what's the first thing that you start thinking of is you start thinking okay, well, I just got to recalibrate my my business model here or land somewhere. What what happened next?
1: Well, it was I mean, initially I'll I'll admit it was scary and there was some panic. Amongst other things, I had bought tons of gear and just stored it in that place. Anytime I needed a thing for somebody, I was like, you know what, this person, this person really needs a football bar. Like that's going to change the way they bench and everything. I'll buy a football bar. And they were very happy for me to store whatever I want there as long as, you know, let everyone use it. So the first thing I did was walk around and just make a list of all of the shit I have to get out of the gym because the word was, so we close on Friday, Saturday, the landlord might come and take all the gear. Like we're abandoning, we're, we're walking away. So he was fully just in default of the lease, uh, or about or was planning on going into default or something like. The word was, "We're walking away. We're leaving all of the gear." Right, like okay, well, my gear can't stay here when that happens. So yeah, let's get. I'm not going to steal anything, but I'm going to walk around and make sure everything I own, I know what it is, and I'll be. And honestly, there's a bunch of stuff that I left there because like, where am I going to put this giant tumbling block? Like, I don't have anywhere to store it. I don't even know how to transport it. I guess. I guess Yeah, this
0: were you looking up storage units just to put everything in or a pot or something like temporarily or like whatever? I looked up a your... few
1: options. I'm fortunately, uh, I have a really big dining room that we're not using, which is currently there's about uh, 30% of a gym sitting in there. And my wife has okay. been patient so far, though I've been informed that the patience is running thin. So we're going to figure out some storage <laughs> solutions now.
0: That's why you're that's why you're about to hop on a vacation. That's why you're about to take a vacation tomorrow okay. to the Virgin Islands. You're like, OK, yes. I've turned the living room into... <laughs> Uh, yeah, a, a, a huge pile of today. stuff yeah yeah
1: there's four kinds of weight belts sitting here what are we doing
0: so where so are you so at that point are you like i gotta find another gym and do this similar thing or am i going fully online
1: yes that and that was it was a little bit freeing in some ways so and another thing so i think the gym owner did that was very nice is he said uh you know i've called a few gyms in the area they know this is happening and these three or four people are expecting a call from you if you want to call them. Like they're open to talking, which is cool because I hadn't, uh, I had done a bad job networking with other gyms in my city. I like knew them. I would say like, you know, hi in the DMs, but I hadn't gone and said, hi to a bunch of gym owners. I wish I had done that. If you're listening, either gym owner or coach, you should know all the people who do what you do in your area. They're not your competition. Be friendly, learn their names because sometimes things happen. And so I made a bunch of calls, said, "Hey, it's Saturday at 10 a.m. I hear you heard I was losing my job before I found out I was losing my job, which is a little bit weird. Do you have time the next day or two? Where I could come in and chat." And I made basically like four or five appointments to sit down with gym owners. the The thing that really helped is I had twenty five or thirty online only clients at that point, and they were going anywhere; they weren't going to be affected by this at all. And I was saying, "Okay, so." No matter what happens i'm making eight grand this month i'm going to be okay this also means i can kind of pick where i want to go and i determined going in uh, i'm not going to coach another crossfit class i'm not going to coach any more group classes it was i had to coach a few group classes even at the end there as part of part of i'm the head coach i'm supposed to coach group classes i got myself out of programming i don't want to do any of that anymore i only want to do this one-on-one feel strong work so that's what i'm going to do and having those online only clients let me do that because i was offered a bunch of group jobs and i turned them very politely turned them all down
0: and so every gym that you went to met with could it could it make it work
1: to well several places offered me a deal that just wasn't good enough some places wanted a really big split some places were happy to let me do some one-on-one work but they wanted me to uh coach this powerlifting program or write programming for this crossfit class or coach x number of group classes a week which i get uh, two places uh, that I'm still working out of were very open. One was a CrossFit gym who basically said, come in, train people wherever you want, 20 bucks a session. Great. Easy peasy. The other is a basically like a mom and pop 24-7 gym. One guy owns it. They've got way too much equipment. They have one of every single toy. And that's a flat fee, You know, this much per month. And you can that train literally infinitely. sounds like, sounds like infinitely. the best fit. Yeah, that's the place. I've transitioned almost everyone over there. Honestly, the only people left at the CrossFit gym are a uh, Olympic weightlifter who lives two blocks away from it. So it's a, it's a perfect place to train that, and it's very easy for them. And you'll love this: someone who has to take her dog to work with her a couple times a week. She's a vet, and wouldn't you know it? CrossFit gym's totally cool with us bringing dogs in.
0: Of course, that's the same. Of course, there. Um, <laughs> uh... All right so all right so um and now let me talk to you. when you were cuz now you have the opportunity to renegotiate this deal. Now again it was a great deal for you 35 bucks you know a session flat rate kickover um did you were you able to keep that that same margin at the this you know tw- this uh, mom and pop 24/7 gym?
1: It's way better because it's a flat fee and it's 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 600 bucks a month too. Like it's nothing.
0: Oh, so he just he just has essentially he's just getting, yep. you're just a tenant. No, did yep. you what did you sign?
1: Uh, what did I sign? I don't. I'm not positive I signed anything.
0: Okay, let's let's definitely let's 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 definitely talk about go have one. you to make sure you get something in writing at some yep. point. Whenever something's a great deal, just go and you pay for the lawyer to draft it up. And all your essentially it's a sublease agreement. Yeah, sublease agreement. Get a local a broker can. I mean, there's like literally after this i could send you a generic sublease agreement and you can get it signed or find a, find a contract lawyer in philly um but yeah that's uh even i'd look even look at uh, my boy um matt becker with uh, yep. jimler yeah i could do an intro with you and him but you, like whenever you got a great deal it's like this is awesome but it also doesn't actually exist yeah because what a what a, a or what a, a lease would do for you no matter what, if you get that lease and then you go and record it with the register of deeds in your city, mm-hmm. if he sells the building, if he sells the company, they have to honor your lease. Yeah, so that's a really it just good gives point. you a little bit of protection, and it's always like, ah, this place—I can't see him again, right? You didn't—you didn't think that shit was going to close down in six days either, right? So, yeah, I've already um, lived through this. Yes. Just a little preventative maintenance. Again, um, Evan, uh, Evan Lindsay, he's, he, he's a consultant like I am in the industry, a metabolic franchisee. Great dude. Absolutely. Hit my favorite quote from him. And maybe he stole this. I don't know, but I attributed to him. Move fast and break shit. Just don't break things the same way twice. So I don't yeah. want to see you out on your ass again in another scenario because that's hard. Moving clients one time is one thing, but you know if you get into that spot where you're bouncing around, they can get difficult. Now let me ask you this: so now you have this twenty four seven gym, like because previously at the CrossFit gym, if people wanted to work with, you, they were a group client, and then they want to start working with you. And let's say they exclusively went that route, the yeah. owner probably. He didn't want that necessarily. He was making $35 every time they came in, which is probably more than he made per class every time they came in, anyway. But still, that probably was maybe was that an awkward scenario? Cause I gotta imagine now you have wide open, like you have this entire trough of people coming and going that don't know shit about fuck when it comes to fitness in there. And are you able to like snipe clients?
1: From you mean in the from the twenty four seven gym. Yeah. Yes to a degree it's there's a bunch of other trainers who work there so at any given time it's totally normal for there to be like four or five other people working okay. it's everyone seems to have their own kind of style which is actually really nice because I don't feel like basically I don't feel like any of us are competing with anyone else yeah. the way I work especially with all the like chronic pain setback movement restrictions and stuff like bodybuilder specialist chris and I we're not going to have the same clients we're not have the same clients we would totally just refer people to each other if sure. the right person came up so it's actually a really good environment for that but yeah i've absolutely had people i've had people just walk in and be like hey i'm i'm looking for a trainer and i'm just working out they're like well, i'm a trainer you want to have a you know, have a chat i've just gotten clients that way which i've been given the thumbs up the owner said like if people are like wander in because it, it's literally 24 7 there's not yeah. someone at a desk you can just walk through the door and you're in a gym looking around and yeah if, if you're there and they're the right person for a conversation then
0: do it so essentially it's a staffless model. He's not paying front desk or anything.
1: Correct. I mean, there's like cleaning staff and things like that, but no one's there yeah. to catch you when you walk in. So it's
0: a staffless model. The, the members pay a fee to use the equipment and trainers pay a fee to, to go ahead and be in there and use yeah, the equipment. Yeah, exactly right. I, those, those are fun models, man. Those are, I mean, that's, it's, you know, depending on the economics of it and, and the real estate and his cost, that's really, those are really interesting. Open gym models, right? Completely hands off right? Um, Do you like it? Like if you, again, if you could go back and get the original gym some open, they didn't close versus this, is there, have you, would you, do you have a preference?
1: I think, I think I like this a lot more. It's a lot more freeing. I get to make all the decisions. I get to set all the standards. I think I stayed it at the last place way too long, partly because it was so comfortable. Like they basically let me do whatever I want. I had all this gear that I stored there. I had a big office. I'd like, it was easy. It was easy and it was comfortable, but I was also on, like I hated coaching the group classes at the end. I was unfulfilled by parts of it. You know, there was, there was just lots of stuff not done exactly the way I wanted to do it, which is, you know, people like you and me, that's always a little bit tough. We're sitting there like, why, like there's been a pile of wood under this bench for 11 months that we said we were going to use for a project and it's still there. And it makes me angry every time I see it what are we doing? And now everything, everything's my standard. Everything's my fault. Everything's my responsibility. And I'm happier that way.
0: How do you see, cause again, you, uh, you and me, we both have like, you know, what Paul Jarvis would call this company of one model, right? Like we've just created jobs for ourselves, yeah. similar to that of a doctor or a lawyer, and they have no problem getting paid hourly because the hourly rate is high enough right? Like people like, oh, you don't want to get paid out. Like you you do. If if it's high enough, you don't mind. So how do you think of what Justin does in 2034, 10 years from now? How does this, does this evolve? Is it still very technician based? Like what, what are your thoughts of that?
1: I think we're pulling away from in-person to more and more online and more and more really high-end premium. I really like doing super holistic solutions for people, but doing it well, I believe, requires you know lifestyle management as well as a bunch of the movement fitness stuff. So uh, you've had chronic pain, your back hurts when you run, and you're fighting with your wife all the time. I also, I like, I already know your sleep is shit, and I'm curious about what you're eating, and I want to know how you deal with relationships at work. Uh, I, I'm not pretending to be a therapist, but we can work on all of this stuff. And if we work on all of that stuff combined with the right exercise movement program, not only can we get you running again, but we can actually make you a better father. And that sounds like inspiring work, but I want to do that for, you know, 10 or 15 people. That kind of work doesn't doesn't and shouldn't scale the way I want to do it. So I don't want to do it for even 50 people.
0: I've always been curious on that, you know, with what I do in the consulting, I can only tell you, my goal, I want to work with like one-on-one, like an hour of time or 30 minutes of time, 40 hours a month. That's that's where I'm happiest. And I've been super diligent. I even have software like uh, that lawyers use. I actually got it from my lawyer buddy. You know, I, it's essentially like I'm punching the clock. So when I'm working, like, so let's say you're my client and I'm sending you a Loom video or I'm, up, I'm updating your PL or doing something. I turn it on, turn it off. So I actually am able to, to the minute, tell you how much time I actually spend mm. per client. So they pay me a, a monthly retainer, and I know how much time I'm spending per client. In that model, with what you just said, your evolution, I've always been curious: how much time do you think one client in that? Because again, it's it's not. I don't want to call it life coaching because I feel like that's such a negative taboo to yeah. it. But it, it's a very it's a broad. You're like you know, um, you're like the executive concierge to their fitness lifestyle yeah. or their better lifestyle, essentially. How much time do you think that takes? per client, in a in a month, like, like how much, like, so when you're thinking of, okay, like 15 people, how much time would be spent on someone in your project, in your predicament or uh, projection, the fitness, the light, the, the injury, the be a better dad, all that.
1: I, I mean, a lot of it has to do with how adept you are at actually the technical stuff, like doing the programming and getting it in and sending the feedback and all of that. I've been doing this. I mean, I've been in tr- true coach. I started in Fitbot used to be called fitbot okay. for no, i
0: do. i was one of the i was their one of their first paid people to make videos for them on youtube and i i casey jenks is one of my favorite people uh yeah those guys are great
1: yeah they're awesome but i've been in there for at least eight years so i can kind of like program at the speed of thought and i'm really adept at it right now you know an online client is a, a couple of hours a month it's you know i, I usually think of it like 30 hours a week is pretty good and there's in it People freak out when they hear me say that sometimes because like how could you do really good work thirty hours a week? It, there's definitely days where one client's program has taken me ninety minutes because I just have to I have to figure some things out or we have a long check-in call or stuff like that. But ninety percent of the time, plan A is really good because you know I'm really good. So it's bang 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 bang. You know about thirty minutes a week.
0: Yeah, that's a I I get co- I have conversations with friends that are you know that are traditional forty-hour-week people and they'll they'll talk about. 40 hours a month, like how do you fucking do anything? I'm like, when this is all I do, I, I'm incredibly efficient, incredibly efficient with in my time. And because I don't have nine other coworkers want to go grab a coffee with me or talk to me about the fucking Browns game or whatever it is, I'm fucking siloed in here. I mean, like literally nobody bothers me. It's, it's crazy how inefficient I think a traditional workplace is. Like I don't mind the work from home thing. Like this, turning this fucking garage into the studio for this was the best thing I have ever done for my productivity. Um, But yeah, it's, you know, people like, oh, 30 hours a week. Like why, In, in comma, people who solve problems faster get paid more. You want next day shipping, it costs more. I build my house in four months versus nine, I have to pay more, right? Like what is speed a bad thing?
1: Exactly right. And that's, that's the expertise, right? Like that's the masterful part. If you could walk in and someone said, well, I can solve your problem in 10 minutes. And the other guy's like, well, this is going to be you know a three hour process. I take the 10 minute guy all day. If it's the same result, like, Oh, you, you're actually, you can do this in your sleep with one hand tied behind your back. My problem sure. is boring to you. That's yeah. who I want to work with. And that's where I I'm every, at with a lot of this stuff. I,
0: and I agree. And I, I think expertise and experience is where it is because then people think of like, <clears throat> seven minute abs, dude, five minute abs. And like, that's obviously not what we're talking yeah. about, right? We're not yeah. talking about like constantly just playing to someone's desire to not commit or desire yeah. to not put in a lot of work for something. Um, it's it's so funny. But yeah, I was just, I was curious on that. Like, cause I, I've heard a lot of people say similar things that since COVID have found very financially freeing uh, uh, careers, companies of one jobs, whatever you want to call them, businesses, working remotely with people. And a lot of them I've talked to is kind of like talk about okay I want to kind of expand this thing you know everyone's got a wearable right I can pretty much track I can pretty much have every client give me a set of data and it you know are there products out there now where like regardless of what wearable eight sleep mattress fucking whatever are you as a coach able to start aggregating and pulling data from that and having I mean like I just envision like a SaaS product kind of dashboard where you have every client in there and it syncs up to their fucking wearable. And you're able to see how much they're sleeping and all this versus it being like self-reported.
1: Yeah, I think that's absolutely coming. I mean, there's there's elements you can already do that with, right? You can suck in their um, uh, what's the the flipping Whoa. macro connector nutrition program? I can't remember macro.
0: now. Oh, so macro stacks.
1: Uh, no. One of those. There's a few of them. That, like TrueCoach can already pal? pull that stuff in. Yeah, my Fitness Pal. Yeah. Um, you can just link them. So as you enter it over here, it just sucks in, and I see your nutrition come in and Got i think it. there's going to be more and more of that as everything kind of becomes integrated and it, and it can be less self reporting which honestly is better because people are terrible at reporting their stuff
0: on the last podcast you mean one of the questions i asked you was like did you you know you're you're in the b2c world here still but at some point when you've had success other people are going to recognize that that we're in that were crossfit coaches or still are crossfit coaches how much B2B work? Have you have you done any B2B work? Are you actively doing B2B work and consulting people and things like that? Um, yeah, talk to me about that. Have you ventured into that role yet?
1: Uh, some very formally, some very informally. So informally, I get caught, you know, I get hit up on a pretty regular basis. People who have questions and I try and, and if you're listening to this, like hit me up, DMs are open. Uh, I try and be as helpful as I can. Like if I can provide value for free and save you, a couple of the mistakes I made, I am very happy to do that. I made, I only got here by breaking absolutely everything. As you said, as fast as I can, I love failing fast and I'm good at it. And I try and learn from those lessons. I would love to help people save a few steps. I also active life, uh, Dr. Sean Pestuch's company brought me on as a part of their sales team. So I do, I sell a lot of their pro products now and I get to do consulting. I'm probably on 10, 15 calls a week with people who are cool. either considering doing what I'm doing, taking their staff in this direction, some element of that.
0: Yeah. I mean, but never your own brick and mortar furthest thing from what you'd want at this point.
1: I'm really, I'm really hesitant to do it. It doesn't sound attractive. There's, I don't want to sign a five-year lease at all. My, you know, three years ago, I probably would have. And I'm kind of glad I didn't. I mean, I tried to buy the last gym, you know, that the, the, the owner who shut it down was the second owner. Uh, and I worked there when the first owner sold it. And I tried to buy it and I was refused. They wouldn't even give me a price. And oh, wow. I'm very glad I didn't do it now because I was absolutely ready to go all in and take out a loan and go crazy. And yeah. it I've, I've had a, only a couple in the past couple of years where I've
0: had someone successful online wanting to go brick and mortar. And I'm always like, what problem are we solving with it? And, and neither of those two or three case studies were able to provide this answer to this, a logical one. But like, you're doing a thing and you believe by having the brick and mortar, you can make more money. Okay, yeah, so revenue goes up. But what also, almost to a one-to-one also goes up, the operating expenses, the rent, the insurance, the people, the variables. You know, when you're online, you're convenient to everyone in every zip code. When you get a brick and mortar, you're only convenient to a certain population of people. And it's like, you know, short of there being some other play, where like, oh, well, I, we have a crazy merch business and 50% of the building is going to be in, like, unless there's some other thing there. Yeah. I don't, see, I don't understand that why anyone who is, you know, I give Sean shit for this constantly still. Right? Sean going from his online thing and then open him the flagship I mean I get it I understand but it's still it's like it's such backward logic I think in most scenarios Sean's makes sense with the overall goal of what he's yeah. doing with active life but in other scenarios I, I can't I can't make connect the dots or make the math work
1: yeah active life is very special because they're gonna open a thousand of those but for me it's like I don't want to fix the toilets I don't want to worry about the, the zoning I don't like that's the all I want to do is the work i want to do and when i'm doing like you said earlier right if you can have when people pay you for your time it's because when you can bring your full focus and energy and the decades of experience you have and focus it only on their problem that's incredibly valuable a few minutes of you going through their stuff has saved them weeks and months of heartache and that's what i want to do with people like let me bring all of my focus and all of my energy and everything i've learned and all the however many dozens of certifications i have and just look at your problem and if i'm also wondering about the property tax bill and when the plumber's going to come fix the stuff some part of me isn't doing that and sure. i really like being able to go all in that way
0: i get it man i get it i um it, let me ask you this when the ship went down and you obviously landed on your feet were did you have other coaches reaching out to you because were there other career coaches there or was all like part-time
1: it was overwhelmingly part-time there was uh, I don't know that anyone there had another job, but I don't know that they think of themselves as career coaches.
0: Interesting. It's not cheap to live in Philly.
1: It is not.
0: Yeah. So I mean, that's crazy. I mean, you gotta be. I mean, doing some. I was just yeah. I was trying to think of like you know when you you left the land on your feet. I'm. Sh- I mean, do you keep in contact with those coaches still?
1: Yeah, some of them. I hear from. I'm actually sharing a client with one of them because he wanted to do some more one-on-one work. So I kind of brought him in as a like. Technically, he's an assistant feel-strong coach, but he gets paid. He has his own setup with someone. Uh, the money doesn't flow through me. I just do the programming and kind of keep on what they're doing. And it's happening. You know, he's working. That guy's working part-time at a CrossFit gym and doing a little bit of one-on-one work. Uh, another part-timer is also working part-time at a CrossFit gym. I think he must have another job because I think he's only doing a few classes a week and that that isn't enough to do anything. And the, the owner's doing, he's a one-on-one coaching business now.
0: With it in a company one model, the one thing that's difficult. I talked about this with like uh, my buddy Boris Metcon Creative. He's the brand yep. design. You know Boris Company One. You know, take and he's Australian. Those fuckers take holidays like it's like it's crazy how many fucking vacations and holidays those guys take. But we, you, you me, before that we hit record. You, you share me tomorrow. You leave for vacation. How do you, like for you, what's your, how do you do that with your work? If you're going to be gone for seven days, when normally in seven days, you'd have 30 hours, whatever it is of work with people. Is it just, Hey, I'm going to do, I'll be less available. I'll be not available at all. Do, Do you have to cram a ton of work before the vacation and then play catch up afterwards? Walk me through how
1: that looks practically. It partly depends on where I'm going and how long I'm doing it for. I've done it a few different ways. I have absolutely done it where I don't tell anyone anything. If I'm going somewhere that I know I'm going to have reliable internet connection, uh, I don't have like a jam-packed schedule. Like for example, there was uh, a year or two ago, we took a like a week at the beach basically. Rented a beach house, beautiful balcony. We're just going to walk out on the beach. Eight hours later, we're going to walk home, have a nice meal. That's the whole day. I get up a little bit early. I naturally do that anyway. I walk out on the balcony with my phone, do a bunch of check-ins, adjust some programs, leave some feedback. Maybe it takes an hour. People are good for a day or two. And I'm just like, I do that rolling. People never even know I was going. I'm going to the British Virgin Islands tomorrow at time of recording. And I've been told that internet is probably not gonna be reliable. So I just told everyone, hey, I'm going on vacation for a week. I've been told internet service will not be reliable. You will have all of your programming, all of your adjustments through 5 p.m. on Friday. We're recording on Friday. I'm leaving on Saturday. You're not gonna hear from me for a week. All of your stuff is there for at least two weeks. When I get back, I have time blocked aside to go through all of your feedback, everything that's happened, and I'll adjust the week going forward. And being that straightforward and transparent has worked very well. I got responses from almost everyone. And to a person, the response was, sounds cool. Have a good vacation. And yeah. it
0: it, it, it's so funny because when I tell the gym, I'm like this year, I think I was the most successful in getting people to take the most amount of time off around the holidays. And... I generally get some feedback and then normally I work with someone if it's like several years worth, you know, second year, third year, they're, they're really bought into it that. And they're fucking like, I mean, that second back half, I mean that the end of November, and then that end of December going into January 3rd for this year, it was uh, just great. because people, it's the only time of the year you can really get away with that for the most part, like where no one's going to challenge you on it. It's, it's for the most part, it's going to be fine. But even this, like, you know, um, a company one models like what you and me do you know those random vacations and this and that it's like you just let people know hey i'm out of the office give them enough heads up if there's something pressing boom let's get it in by this date but it's also too it's not like if you were managing and running the suicide hotline that's a different story right like you yeah. can't really have down hours you got to have someone available there 24 7. But the other thing too, I think in business and then also a fitness setting, cause I had some personal training clients that were like free, like it's gonna be okay. It is 100% okay. I wrote this movement for you and you went to the gym and that piece of equipment was broke. You're gonna be okay. And at this point, slightly autonomous enough to figure out what to do instead of that, right? Even though you can't reach me in that minute. The worst thing in like client services is to have a client that literally is sucking from your tit for every fucking answer, right? And if that you know, and that's something I've always been like. My goal is to educate you during this whole process, so that you come to solid conclusions. I'll likely come to maybe better ones or maybe the same ones, and but I will just do it more efficiently. It's uh, but I love. I'm really happy. I love that for you because I, you know, this is it. You get to take your laptop, boop, close it, and the business goes with you, right? So uh, I'm pumped for you, man. I, I'm sorry that that gym closed uh, that's, you know, that's hard for the course, uh, right now, especially post COVID still, but, um, yeah. good for you fucking landing
1: on your feet. I really appreciate it. It was, it was, it was so interesting and so fun. Like I like, I'm good in a crisis. Uh, I enjoy it. I actually did a, uh, they're all gone now, but I did like seven days of stories like, Hey, so I just lost my job. I don't know what's going to happen. You're going to come on this journey with me. And I've had people including people like, not even close to the industry come up to me you know whatever we are five six months later like i remember when you did that that was awesome i learned stuff from that i learned stuff that helped me when i got laid off that was so cool good i'm glad it helped
0: would you say the number one thing is the preventative maintenance the
1: fact that you did have
0: the net the online right which is your insurance policy essentially right that online's not going anywhere if you hadn't had the online is what would you have done is there anything you would have done differently
1: I mean, I had enough savings that I probably, I think I still would have done the same thing, but it would have been a lot scarier. The, what I'm glad didn't happen and I could see happening is feeling like I was stuck in a corner and had to take another fucking group job. Like, okay, now I'm going to be the, the low man on a totem pole in a CrossFit gym at fucking 44 years old. Like just saying it out loud makes me want to put my head through a wall. Like, or, or do I, I'm like, am I like, is that it? Is, is fitness not for me? I'm like, what do I do? Does Stu need an assistant? What what the fuck am I going to do? So yeah, having that, having the online, actually, you know, building the business I wanted to build already, even in that smaller way, even inside someone else's gym was huge.
0: Awesome. Justin, man, uh, for anyone who uh, you're kind of speaking to their soul, they they want to know how you've done what you've done and they want to learn more, Where where can they best reach
1: you? Instagram's the best. At feel strong fit on Instagram, DMs are open. I answer absolutely everybody unless you're a Russian sex robot.
0: And in which in that case, Justin then forwards it to my DM, and I will, I will then have that conversation with the Russian. Yeah, that's sex your robots. department. Yeah, that's my department, <laughs> Justin. Dude, it's always good jamming with you, man. Next time I'm in Philly, uh, we'll 100% get together, and I hope you have a great fucking vacation, dude.
1: Thank you so much, Steve. I'll talk to you soon.